The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 19. We're speaking with Ian Weinberg of Ian Fitness. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. You know, if I could if I could tell myself, I would say, hey, trust that process. Trust yourself that you'll do a good job of hiring the right people and training the right people. Talking with Ian today was so great. And anyone who is a personal trainer or a gym owner who has dreams of expanding and opening multiple different facilities, you can learn so much from Ian because he's someone who went from training to now having seven different facilities all throughout Seattle. He created a process that he could scale and he really let his avatar, which he actually had a client that he made into his avatar, he let his avatar dictate what he was going to do, where his facilities went, even the processes that he created. And Ian was a former professional soccer player. So it's interesting that he decided to transition into training the Mrs. Joneses of the world rather than sticking with high elite level athletes. He knew who he could help, and he also knew what his programs could do, and he knew he wanted to focus on getting people results, and so he had that sole focus, and he picked a client that he could help. So let's jump right into it with Ian and discuss opening multiple locations of training studios and also what you should do if you're spending the day in Seattle. Today, we're joined by Ian Weinberg. Ian, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I, you know, growing up, I've always I've always been an athlete. I played I played basketball and soccer growing up, and as I got older uh, through high school, um, closer to college, it seemed that soccer would be the best opportunity for me to to play in college and even potentially afterwards. So um, I, I focused in on on playing soccer and was fortunate enough to play in college and even a few years after uh, professionally, kind of um, bouncing around the states and even a little bit overseas. And um, as that kind of wound down, it was a real natural progression into staying uh, in the fitness field. So I started off with coaching and, and doing a lot of speed and agility development. Um, and then as I progressed, I realized I, I got a lot more enjoyment and fulfillment out of um, more in the niche of helping people lose weight and burn fat and kind of uh, transform their body as opposed to working with athletes. Um, and so that's that's where that, that path led me down. And you're you're being modest. You played professionally, and now you're even into the the races like Spartan or you know all the sort of obstacle course things, mud runs. Yeah, it's uh, I, I just came came back. Actually, did the uh, world's toughest mudder as a 24 hour obstacle race, and uh, I tell you that tell you what, that's a whole nother level of, of challenge. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you know I've ever you know ever since I was a kid, I've always got this level of um, you know there's always there's a competitor inside me in whatever I'm doing. Um, so this, uh, th- this new kind of obstacle race, um, craze has been, it been really enjoyable for me because it's, it's, you know, it's, I, I get a little bit of enjoyment going for a run, but, um, you know, adding in the obstacles and, and, you know, the mental and physical challenges that they present, uh, is really enjoyable for me anyway. For me. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, you found it more enjoyable to train sort of the average Joe, the weekend warrior than the athlete. How did you sort of figure out who your target demographic was? Yeah, well, you know, when I when I first got into it, I was working uh, in a gym in San Diego and I was doing, um, you know, some membership stuff for the gym and doing a little bit of group training. And it didn't take me long to realize, you know, this, um, you know, this issue that we have where, you know, 75, 85 percent of people who have a gym membership don't actually use it. 
So while I was there in attempt to, you know, feel good about helping people get in better shape, in reality, most of the people weren't taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, and so when, when I left that situation, I knew when I got back into training and into fitness, I wanted to really be doing something where I felt like I could I could tangibly make a difference and I could see it and and the folks that I was working with could you know it wasn't uh, you know a, a percentage improvement on their 40 time or on their vertical jump but it was this massive change that happens when somebody loses 30 pounds or if they are able to get off prescription medication because they've improved their fitness level and these type of um, changes and transformations in the people that I was working with. Um, you know, they were more significant and it felt more fulfilling and it felt more like I was making a genuine difference. So that's what really attracted me to working, you know, as you mentioned, kind of the average Joe. And um, as it turns out, our, our demographic is actually um, pretty, pretty high female. So it's more kind of the average Mrs. Jones. But it's um, it, it is. Uh, yeah, I think that's the main difference for me is that is, it, you know, I enjoy working with athletes and it's fun and, and there's certain a lot that I can relate to. Um, and it's a different kind of training session, but at the end of the day, the the um, you know the difference that I'm able to have in their lives, I think, is more significant for for kind of everyday folks. So coming to that realization that that was who you wanted to train, what was the journey like going from that moment until Ian Fitness opened and and expanding to seven different facilities in in the course of was it six years? Yeah, seven years, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was, you know, it was interesting because one of my, when I was back in Seattle, one of my first clients, um, was one of my best friend's mom and she's been, you know, like a second mom to me, you know, the type of woman you go over there and she makes you the peanut butter jelly sandwich and, you know, hangs out that type of thing since I was real young. And, um, she was, she's also one of the type of people that can be really intimidated by a gym atmosphere and, you know, and can feel uncomfortable and so knowing knowing these things about her and knowing her hesitation to even get started and really the only reason she did was because she trusted me, I knew that, you know, if I could, her name was Anna, if I could make Anna feel comfortable in this environment, in a gym environment where there's people exercising um, and working out, then, you know, I would be on to something. And so, you know, everything from the language that we use to the exercises that we did to my positioning during the workouts, like all these things get get put into consideration and she did feel comfortable and she did see results and, and she did make, you know, really, really positive changes and she still trains with us today, which is amazing. And so that was kind of, that was my, you know, I think I was fortunate that that was an initial client that I have that I could build kind of my avatar approach from that early on. And so if I, you know, it always came in, Hey, would, how would Anna feel about this, this photograph as a piece of marketing material, or how would Anna feel about this workout? Or, you know, that, that was kind of always something that was in our mind as we were creating and building, um, you know, programs and spaces. And so, uh, it, it, it's worked, you know, it's, it's made other, it, it's been a situation where other people have felt comfortable and, and they don't feel intimidated and they feel welcomed and they feel supported. And, and I think those things are all very important. That's such a great point. And I think something that a lot of trainers, you know, don't do, they think they want to target broadly because they just want to take anybody and they want to train anybody, but they don't consider not only who can they help the best, but you know, who then their avatar is and how that needs to direct all their different marketing efforts down to how they even design the facility. So I think that's such a, a great point that so many people really need to hear. You know, even with having that avatar, I'm sure there were some challenges along the way. Can you sort of talk about what those were? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it was, I, I don't have, you know, when I first started out, I wasn't the business guy that was like, all right, now it's time to, you know, start a, get a startup going and build a company. I was, you know, my major in, in uh, college was soccer, basically, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, on the degree, it says political science, but my main focus was was playing soccer. So um, it, there was a lot of, um, you know, bu- business knowledge that need to be attained. And, you know, like you mentioned, one of those things where it's like, figure out your niche and, and dive into it and focus it. And so I was, um, you know, I've always, I've never shied away from from saying that I didn't know something and, and seeking out to learn the answers. So that was that was pretty critical as we started going. Um, and I also, I also realized that, you know, I just, I really wanted to be known for one thing and it was just getting people results. And that's still been that, you know, that's still our foundation of the company is that you know, there's all kinds of fancy marketing stuff going on in multiple locations, as you mentioned, um, and and none of it would be possible if people weren't getting results. You know, you can have the best marketing and the best trainers and the most knowledge, but if people aren't walking away successful, then you're going to be in trouble. So, um, you know, again, it was it was kind of very fortunate that I, that was my approach, I think, from the very beginning, um, because a lot of success kind of dovetailed from that. And I would just I just needed to learn you know, again, like the business structure and how to set that kind of stuff up um, to, to scale um, those successes. With scaling, did you ever sort of have that hesitation that maybe you were growing too fast or that hiring on people you wouldn't get the right people in or that you wouldn't be able to reach your market in that new area? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I'll see if I can take those one at a time. The first one, you know, reaching the market in the new area that um, I, I wasn't as concerned about because that was one of the main reasons I did initially expand. Um, I was probably slow to do it because I didn't want to dilute the quality. I knew I couldn't, you know, clone myself and I knew I needed to find people that I felt, you know, my goal was always like, hey, if I'm going to bring in a new coach, I want them to be better than me. You know, I want to be able to learn from them. So it took a while to find people that I was comfortable with. Um, not just that they had the knowledge or the experience, but that they had the same approach that I did. And once I felt comfortable with that, you know, we would have people that would move across town here in Seattle and say, hey, I really wish you had a location over here. I, I would know I would come and I have friends that would go. And I heard that enough times that I said, OK, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to take a risk here and uh, I'm going to open a location in this area. And so that that's kind of how I've started with the expansion is I knew that there were people there who didn't need our help. Um, who would who would benefit from us being in the neighborhood? And I take into consideration, you know, what's already there, uh, and is it similar enough to what we're doing, or can we fill a need in that spot? So, um, you know, yeah, definitely making sure we had the we had the talent to go in um, and and service that area with quality coaches that could could do a really good job is a um, you know a, a part that probably slowed us down initially, um, and now I feel like. Uh, we're fortunate enough that we're actually attracting um, top talent that wants to come work for our company because they recognize what we're doing and the opportunities we present. I love that because so often in the fitness industry, people get afraid of bringing in people with more knowledge or competition or all these different things. And you were actually seeking out trainers that, you know, felt you felt could teach you and you were going into areas where there was a demand, not just an area you wanted to be in. We've talked a lot on this podcast with a lot of other trainers, both online and offline about how you have to let your audience sort of tell you where you're going to go. I mean, you have to have a vision, but you have to let them sort of dictate instead of just putting in your wants and needs, you've got to listen to them. So that's a great message across the board with all of your different programs. What does a typical workout look like? Yeah, so we basically have two main programs. We have our one-on-one personal training, 
And the one-on-one -on -one personal training is with uh, with our client and with one coach. And those sessions are really dictated on what the client's uh, main goals are and taking into consideration kind of, you know, where they're currently at, whether they're dealing with some injuries or some post rehab or whether they're, you know, ready to give 110% each workout. So um, that said, you know, most people do recognize we are really known for weight and fat loss. Um, and people, you know, can tend to kind of dress that up in a few different ways. And maybe they feel like they want some more toning and some more definition. But, um, you know, from from our standpoint, we're going to design those exercises to get people moving around as much as possible. If you could take a view inside one of our studios, you're not going to see a bunch of machines. You're going to see as much open space as we can make um, so that we can utilize uh, the space to get people moving around. You're going to see things like TRX, kettlebells, boxes, you know, slam balls, the battle ropes, dumbbells, all that kind of good stuff, again, to kind of get functional movement so people are moving. And in my um, and, I, and again, you know, kind of going back to I, I, I love I love to have people come in that I feel like can teach me something. And, and fitness is such a, you know, evolving space that there's always new workouts and, and new approaches and, I'm, and I've never come from a place that's like hey I know everything that's not the case at all I just I know I can get my clients results and so if I can add some new elements in there that's great so that said you know we we approach the the weight and fat loss to just try to really get people moving around as much as possible with some resistance so that's what those one-on-one -on -one training sessions will look like and there's some variety in there of course with who the trainer is and their personality and again um, what that individual client's goals are and or you know existing injuries. The other program we offer is our uh, boot camp, which is essentially a group training program, and we set that up with different stations. We have a group functional warm up where we we get folks uh, moving around, which would look very similar to one of my soccer practice warm ups, um, and then we'll have different stations. So you know one of the stations may be, uh, you know the battle ropes, and then you may go over to burpees. And then you may be on to some jump rope and then you may be on to, you know, a squat overhead press or, you know, you we usually have between six to eight different stations. It's high energy. The music's going, the, the, the coach is motivating people and pushing people. And the cool thing that we, we do there with the boot camp is each station has different modifications. So if Mrs. Jones is in there and she doesn't feel comfortable doing box jumps, she can just do step ups and um, say, you know, Mr. Jones is in there and he feel he feels great. We can give them a higher box to jump at. So each station has an opportunity to really challenge people to make sure they're being pushed and then to also make sure that people are being successful and they're not, you know, aggravating a previous injury or getting a new injury. Um, so those, those are kind of what the, the two different type of workouts that we do. Um, and again, you know, both of them are, are essentially structured for weight and fat loss. And in the process, you know, we're going to build muscle, we're going to add tone, we're going to increase overall fitness and endurance as well. You know, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think that is actually the future of where the fitness industry is going rather than these gigantic spaces with tons of overhead. It's about building these communities and everything you have is very systematic from your workouts. But even on your website, the way you collect leads and, you know, it's to me the future, you know, you're offering free reports. It's, it's very interactive and, and crosses on multiple platforms. Did it take you a while to get the right systems in place? Was there some experimenting there? Did you kind of do it on the fly? What, you know, what was that process in figuring those out? Because I mean, I think it's absolutely fantastic. For the, for the workouts themselves? Uh, just for both, like putting the systems in place for, you know, making the workouts fit the spaces, but also for generating leads coming into the facility. Sure. Well, I'll speak to the workouts first. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're familiar with the, the 10,000 hour um, approach where it kind of, you know, makes you this expert. I, I feel like, you know, from the time I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I was coaching 
kids younger than I at soccer camp or soccer clinics, you know, five, six year olds, seven, eight year olds. And the older I got, the older the kids were that I coached. And I've really been coaching and leading group training sessions, you know, for a long, long time. And I put in a lot of hours. And the the once I started training, um, you know, folks for weight and, and fat loss and, and personal training and boot camp, it was And essentially, it was easier than coaching soccer because I was almost doing the same things, but now there was no soccer ball involved. And so it was way less technical. You know, it was just the movement aspect. So, you know, that said, going back to, you know, I've got memories. I was 13 years old and that was my summer job was doing soccer camps. And I'd have a big group of 20, 25 people. And the challenge always is when you have a big group is there's a wide range of, of levels, right? Whether it's fitness levels or whether it's technical ball skills levels, if we're talking about soccer or speed footwork level, if it's speed and agility. And so you've got to make sure that the people who are in good shape or who've got the better skills aren't waiting around and bored and not feeling challenged. And the people who are a little bit behind that they're not, you know, left to feel self-conscious and embarrassed um, and, and feel bad because they're holding the group up. So, Knowing that early on when we, when I first started doing boot camp and my very first boot camp was, you know, I had um, again, I'm in Seattle and, and I had built up a fair amount of personal training clients in the spring and summer was on the horizon and I was scared that all my clients were going to cancel because they wanted to go outside because, you know, um, nobody wants to go outside in the winter in Seattle. And so when spring comes around, everybody's like, hey, let's get outside. So I said, man, I got to do something. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to lose all my clients. So. I sent out an email. I said, hey, I'm going to start a boot camp. It's going to be six weeks long. It's going to be in the morning at the park. Uh, we'll enjoy the weather, whether it's, you know, a sunny morning or raining weather or a rainy day, but we'll be out there. Um, who wants to come? And, you know, I thought, you know, maybe I get five or six people. I didn't really know, but it ended up being, you know, 25, 35 people out in the park. And I knew right away that, you know, hey, to accommodate this, this many people with the variety of fitness levels that are going to be out there, I need to have different stations and the stations need to be timed. You know, if you go with the repetition amount, again, you know, Mrs. Jones might only be at 10 when everybody else is at 20 and she's not going to be feeling very good about that. So we set it up time-based and everybody just does the best they can for a certain amount of time. And, uh, you know, whether that's five push-ups or 10 push-ups or 50 push-ups, as long as you're giving your best, that's all that matters. And then we'll move right to the next station and, and uh, it, you know, and right away it worked. You know, it worked. That first session, I remember sitting there after everybody left like, wow, that, that was kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, that, I think that's going to be the formula to go with it. And of course it's evolved over the years. You know, we've, we've adjusted the, um, the breaks in between and we have what I call transition exercises now where, you know, each station is kind of strength based and there's a cardio transition for less time. And again, you know, it's, it's certainly evolved as we've, as we've moved around to see what's the best for the clients. But, um, I think again, going back to, you know, all my years of coaching. And again, it wasn't necessarily personal training or boot camp, but just having that, um, you know, again, that command over a group and recognizing, uh, you know, um, just being able to recognize how people are feeling and, and how they're responding to the program and adjusting on the fly, I think is really, is really important. So we, again, we kind of built that into to what we we're doing. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's speaking to kind of the, the, uh, you know, the adjustment of the program. Um, and I guess the other part, you know, I, I, I apologize, I forgot who mentioned, but somebody mentioned about it being family and community. And, and it's such a big thing. That's that's what we speak to all the time is that it is a community, it is a family, and we're really big on um, supporting each other and, and recognize each other's accomplishments throughout. And, um, you know, I don't I don't know that that was something I think that was something that I 
you know, kind of recognize that the people who are enjoying the program or who are getting the results felt like that was there. And once I kind of recognized that, realized that's something we really needed to install in our program and kind of push that in there. Um, transitioning over to the business side for the leads and, and kind of the systemizing that aspect, you know, I, I've got to give a lot of credit to just kind of the business coaching. I knew that, you know, um, you know, getting people to want to try something is is kind of an art form and in a science of itself. It's they've got to be incentivized. They've got to feel like they're getting some value. Um, and so we would we did, you know, early on, I said, well, I'm happy to you know, I, I figure I can give somebody a week trial. And um, I was confident enough that they would see the value in it and want to sign up and, and join our program. And so we've always kind of, um, you know, uh, stayed around some sort of three to seven day trial for folks to give us a shot. And then if it's if it's a good fit, great, we'll get them set up. And if it's not, you know, there's I can always recommend a, a different program that may be a better fit for them. You combine both the online offerings and the in-person offerings, though, on your website. When did you decide to like sort of offer something online that was just something that people could do on their own, not necessarily something that would bring them into the gym? And were you hoping that would then bring them into the gym after they looked over it? Yeah. So, you know, in my in my opinion, you know, it's you start thinking about like the buying the buying um, cycle for personal training or for boot camp or for fitness in general. So it's usually pretty long, right? Like we people don't you know, they may wake up one day and and, and have a look in the mirror or try on a pair of jeans. And, and like that's the straw that broke the back and say, you know what, today's the day I'm going to go join something. But I think more times than not, it's it's more gradual and they realize that they're getting further and further away from where they want to be fitness wise. And in that process, you know, they they may pop up, you know, pop a search into Google or or look around someplace. And they're always kind of it's on, it's on their mind. Right. It's kind of like right now we're all we may not be doing our Christmas shopping, but we're starting to think about, you know, what are we going to get folks for the holidays? And maybe we pop on, pop on Amazon and see something. And so I, I knew that. <clears throat> you know, if this is the approach that people are taking, that it's a longer bio, buying cycle for them to join a program, that during that time, one of the thoughts that are going to go through their head, and usually most people have this thought is, hey, I can do this by myself. I can do this on my own. And if you can, awesome. I'd love to give you that, um, you know, I'd love to give you the information for you to be successful. And in that process, if you needed some extra help, hopefully I'll be the guy that you'll come to because I've helped you on that journey. And if you realize that maybe you do need the extra accountability um, and you need to, and you would like to join our program, then of course we're there as well. So the whole idea with providing, um, you know, I, th I think you're referring to kind of like the, um, we have like some fat loss courses people can take and it's video follow along workouts and it's nutrition stuff and it's advices. I, I, let me give you my best stuff and, and hopefully you're impressed with it. And, and your thought and the thought in your head is if he's giving this stuff for me for free, I wonder what he's charging. Right. So I'd love that conversation to be happening in people's heads. Um, and then also, and if it works for them that they can get great results on their own with that free stuff. Awesome. More power to them. Um, and, and they can, you know, use their money for something else. And maybe they know somebody down the road who doesn't have the self-discipline they have and they'll send them our direction. I think it builds that trust element, too. I mean, when you're leading with value like that, you're showing that even your free information is valuable. So if they do decide to come in, you know, they're going to get something even better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With all the knowledge that you have now and all the different things that you're doing, what's one piece of advice you could have given yourself when you first started out? Oh, man, that'd be a long day. It'd be a long coaching day. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I think it, you know, my first my first couple of years, it really was like a startup. I was running every session, you know, uh, dealing with every email, taking care of every client's account. And 
I was, I got near my breaking point. And if I hadn't, you know, I was, I, I'm kind of, I can be, I can be stubborn at times. And I, and I think I recognized that for me to be able to scale, I needed to, I needed to hire some right people and I needed to train them how I wanted them to do things. And I needed to trust that process. And I think I was just, um, you know, if I could, if I could tell myself, I would say, Hey, trust that process, trust yourself that you'll do a good job of hiring the right people and training the right people. And I was just, you know, it was, it was my baby in all, in all intents, you know, I had, I, you know, like I said, I was running every session from, you know, I was up at five in the morning, home at eight at night, you know, doing all the things in between. And I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to lose what I had built. But I think that, um, as we did get, as we did grow, um, we could have one could have scaled a little bit faster. And I think I probably at that point, you know, some clients did fall through the clerk through the cracks in terms of the attention that they needed because I was stretched so thin. So I think I would, I would tell myself to trust that process of, of the growth, um, or what needs to happen to grow in, in terms of building a quality team. I think that's fantastic advice for anyone who's at that point where they feel like they can't fully let go. You know, you're overworked. Like you said, you hit that breaking point. But at some point, you need to trust that process and know that what you can do is going to be putting the right systems in place moving forward. When you expanded, what made you to decide to do multiple other locations rather than upgrading to a one bigger size facility? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. Um, both going back to the point where, um, you know, we had simply requests from multiple people in different parts of the city that were like, Hey, I wish you'd be over here. I wish you'd be over here. And that also, that sounded great, but, um, you know, I, I needed to first realize that I could open additional locations one at a time and that they would be successful. And I don't, you know, I've never been, I've never had the goal that I want a huge, you know, 5,000 foot facility or 10,000 foot gym or whatever it is, because you do lose that community feel. You do lose the family feel. I like to be able to, you know, when somebody comes into our facility, the coaches needs to know their name. They should know where they're, you know, how their kids are doing in school, how their grandparents are doing. You know, we want to know stuff about our clients and, and be a fabric of that community that we're in. And within Seattle, the different kind of neighborhoods, it, it, I do feel, um, or I hope that we are, we are that so that, you know, when you're in that neighborhood, uh, you know, you do your grocery shopping there, you, you know, maybe get your hair cut there, you get your nails done there. And then also that's where you go to work out at your local Ian fitness. And I, I just, I prefer it that way that it is more of a local, you know, uh, has a smaller footprint in terms of, uh, just overall size and the amount of people that we can, we can be in there. You know, I'm, I would, I would love to be a point to a point where it's like, Hey, you know, we, we've closed our doors to new clients. Um, not that we don't want to help more people, but we don't feel like if we every new client now we add, I feel like it would it could diminish the um, you know results from other people and and that's a decision that I would I would happily make to help the current base and so um, it's just you know it just feels better to have that smaller again that smaller footprint so that we can do a better job of helping the people that are there as opposed to you know next thing you know it's back to that 5,000 square foot facility and. 50, 75% of the people actually never come and you're just getting the gym membership fees. And that's, that, that's where I, I, you know, started and that's where I, I really want to avoid that space. With doing the online stuff and having the programs there that people can do on their own and having the different facilities and keeping them small, where do you see the future of fitness going? You know, it's funny. It seems like it, every year, you know, somebody makes an announcement that it's like, it's only going to be one-on-one or it's only going to be group. And then it's going to go back to one-on-one. And I think it really, I think there's always going to be people for both. And I think that's one of the nice things I enjoyed about having 
both one-on-one and group is I felt insulated. Um, you know, if there's a crunch in the economy and personal training becomes really, ex, you know, out of people's budgets, um, generally boot camp is less is you know it's more affordable. People are sharing the cost of the trainer, and that's something that they can do. Um, and, and that said, there's always going to be people that want that one-on-one individual attention and need one-on-one stuff um, because they can't be in a group, whether it's, um, you know, their schedule or whether it's their, you know, what their specific goals are or whether they just don't want to be around other people. And so I just, I think that they're both going to be there. I don't see them going anywhere, to be honest. Um, I think that what we're doing with the small, small, you know, like the the small to medium-sized boot camps, I think that will continue to grow. I think, um, you know, other, other folks will, who may not have gotten into this will give that a shot. And I think if they, you know, if they have the, um, you know, the skills to build that community and make people feel welcome. And then again, kind of that bottom line, which I mentioned earlier, was actually get people results in the process. I think that they could be successful with it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I don't think that either of them are, are going anywhere. It's an interesting question because I feel like people have a specific answer that, oh, it's going online or, oh, it's going to bigger boot camps or things like that. But going back to what you mentioned with Anna, you know, the the ultimate Mrs. Jones, it's all about giving someone a program that they're going to be able to follow and come back to. And I, you know, I think you've done a fantastic job of doing that and knowing who you're going to go after to ensure that you not only get the people results, but also you give them something they enjoy doing. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the key. It's like we there has to be there has to be fun. There has to be, you know, energy and enthusiasm involved for them. Otherwise, it's, you know, they're not going to stick with it for very long. Well, now that you've given us all the easy answers, I'm going to give you the hard questions now in this segment we call the Fast Five Fitness Facts, where we're going to fire off five questions at you. And you're going to give us your best answer. Are you ready? I believe so. So question number one, what is your favorite exercise? My favorite exercise um, for myself, I would probably go with burpees. Favorite, huh? We've gotten least favorite a lot of times for that one. I think it's the most—it's the most efficient. You know, it's gonna—it's gonna challenge me cardiovascularly. It's gonna help me build muscle. It's gonna save me some time. I'll take all three of those things. Well, since you mentioned for yourself, what about for clients? What would your favorite exercise be? I love clients. I love getting clients on the battle ropes. It's actually for the same three reasons. It helps them build some cardiovascular endurance. It helps them build some muscle and some strength. Um, and it's also, it's fun, you know, for a lot of folks who sit at the office all day, or, um, I don't know what other people do normal for normal jobs. Generally they're at a desk of some sort, or they're certainly not slamming big ropes around. Right. So when people come in, just seeing their, the look on their face that, uh, that they get when they're, when they're doing the ropes, both cause they start, they get surprised how heavy they get quickly, um, and feeling their heart rate go up, but then also that they're slamming some ropes around the floor. I think it, I, I, I get a, I get enjoyment watching people do that for the first time. I like that. It's definitely empowering. Yeah. What exercise do you hate but love at the same time? I'm going to go with pull-ups. Pull-ups, they, you know, I love, you know, it's it's a good, it's such a good test of your body, of your strength, you know, of your body weight strength. And they're so important, especially I've, I've started up in my game and training for the uh, the obstacle races. That's so critically important, the grip strength and pulling yourself up. Um, but the calluses are on a whole nother level these days. Um, but yeah, and I just, you know, I, once I'm done with them, I love them in the process. I am not enjoying the, <laughs> not enjoying the pull-ups, but, but pull-ups. Maybe, maybe rope climbs instead of pull-ups a little bit more fun. Yeah. 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 A little, some more burns, but yeah. Here comes a really tricky one. What is the best book you've ever read? Best book. I'm going to go with, uh, how to win friends and influence people. 
it's uh, it's been instrumental and in, in I think in my business success and just kind of uh, personal relationships as well. How to, you know, how to recognize what you want and put it in alignment with what other people want as well. Um, and I think it just, you know, I think if more people read that book and, and could deal with people, um, you know, and, and I think it, <laughs> I think the world would be a better place. And what's your favorite pump up song? Favorite pump up song? Right, it changes. It is very, that is a very fluid question. At the moment, I'm going to go with um, Kevin Gates. I don't get tired. And as a, there may be some some uh, explicit lyrics in that song, but that was what I was looking listening to for my 20 mile uh, world's toughest motor preparation runs, and it would do the trick sometimes. I was gonna say that's a very good one for a 24 hour race. Yeah, exactly. If you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Man, um, I'd love to work out with Martin Rooney. I think that would be pretty epic. He's uh he's a, he's inspirational to me. I love he just seems very I mean like you know if you've seen any of his videos and any of his stuff he's he's very uh motivational and very inspirational and and puts the work in on the exercises. I think that would be I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh dang, Martin Rooney, the training for warriors. Have you done his certification? I haven't. I haven't. It is definitely amazing. A little shout out to him. I I did it actually. Um, let's say a couple of years back, but he is. I I can agree with that one. He's definitely motivational. Yeah, cool, cool. And so one more. This is a bonus question, the Ian Weinberg exclusive. All right. After someone has come into a morning boot camp when they're visiting Seattle, what should they do the rest of the day? Oh, good question. Um, you, you know, you got to get down to Pike Place Market. That's kind of the one of the staples. Get down to Pike Place Market. You could find some delicious uh, fresh seafood for your protein, your post-protein uh, workout food. Um, and then I would get down to... Um, you know, Sculpture Park is really beautiful as well. It's just, it's down on the, down on the water. Um, a couple of these, you know, for me, it's always going to be outside stuff, right? There's plenty of inside. There's lots of great museums and stuff in Seattle, but I'm going to get you moving around and walking around to, you know, shake off the lactic acid a little bit. So walking around Pike Place Market, get down to Sculpture Park. And then um, <clears throat> if you can find somebody at the boat, get over on Lake Union and into Lake Washington. I like that you added in the uh, post-workout protein because you know with the weight loss you got to get the nutrition going too i do rebuild the muscles and thank you so much for joining us today can you tell our listeners where they can find you yeah absolutely you can uh, go to ianfitness.com and um you can always send me an email i'm i'm, I'm happy to answer any other questions and uh, do what i can to help you out and i can be reached at ian at ianfitness.com awesome ian thanks so much my pleasure thank you Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.